Um, and when I made it to Junior Olympics, my very like my freshman year, and everyone was like, "Oh, not everyone makes it to Junior Olympics their freshman like their very first year." Like, you know, it's weird. Like, what are you doing? I was just like, "Oh, okay, maybe I am good." All right, here we go. This is the Living Numbers Podcast, where everyone's interesting if you ask the right questions. Today, I have someone here who is freaking amazing. This person has wowed me from the first day I saw her, and I'm actually going to tell that story. But first, I'm going to ask y'all to do three things. Rate, review, and share this episode with somebody you think will love it. That's all I'm going to ask. That's the call to action. Now, of course, when someone's on here for the very first time, they have to get an outstanding intro. And as you all know, our guest has not heard that intro yet. So here we go. Hailing from Missouri City, Texas. Our guest is currently attending the prestigious University of Harvard where she also competes in track and field, huge part of what we're talking about today. In 2021, she earned Female Student Athlete of the Year for the Fort Bend ISD School District. Her passion in leading has been shown through multiple positions, like team captain of both her school and AAU track teams, both of which earned honors from district all the way to national recognition, resulting in multiple medal performances. She also did fabulous work in the community as a youth director on Judge Tiana Watson's campaign and communications director of African Student Association at Elkins High School. Leader, scholar, athlete, and people's champion because everyone loves her. I present the Mfaniso Andrew. Say hello to the people. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Just a little trip down memory lane there. I was thinking like, there's so many meadows and accolades and stuff here. It's always kind of hard to get people down into this like 30, 45 second intro, but um, we're going to start here with our first number okay. and that is three. Okay. Because now follow me here. Three mm-hmm. is universally accepted as the luckiest number and your name means good luck. Yes, it does. Found that online. Yeah. See, that's research right there. Ooh, good. So I wanted to start with your name because your African heritage, I'm sure, is a huge part of who you are. Because when I met you, you were going by Megan. Yes, I was. And at some point, you switched to going by your first name. So how did you get to that point? And I guess from there, you can kind of weave in like how your African heritage has played a part in you growing up and getting to where you are today. For me, when it first started, uh, it started during COVID times. I realized that I wanted to put my name on a bigger platform, especially with track, and just improve myself. And once I was getting to that recognition status, people didn't know how to say my name at track meets, and they would start saying my last name. And for a while, it started irritating me because I was born in the United States, but we lived in Nigeria and Mm -hmm. we came back. So it was easier for me to assimilate into the American culture by using my first, my middle name, Megan, um, because people found it like hard to say my first name. And, you know, when you're a kid, when you're different, you know, people make jokes. So I was like, oh, I don't want to like be made fun of. So I just kept going by Megan all the way until like my high school days. I really like senior year. I tried to make people say my first name. Uh, it worked somewhat. And then I was like, OK, by college, I need to have people say my first name because mm. It has meaning behind it. It's really powerful. And I genuinely love it. I think I was just really scared 
to just embrace it and just hear people fail to say my name in the beginning and then after a while like actually get used to it uh but for the for the most part I wasn't ashamed of saying Megan I just knew that my first name was what I was born with and I should embrace it because it's really who I am um and there was just like a lot of good things that followed out after junior year for me so it's just like let me just go ahead let me just start the process start evolving and plus, the more I started like saying my African name, the more African people I started meeting, which was great for me because I hadn't really met a lot um, through my high school. And it was just, it was nice. It just felt good to finally feel like I had my sense of like identity and community again um, and not have to like feel weird or different. So that was definitely something <laughs> from high school to, to college. How did you, how did that change kind of your outlook socially? you know, kind of meeting more African people and seeing like, oh, dang, like my my people are here, like, and I'm being accepted. How did that, did that, I'm sure it made it easier for you to kind of use your name more, but how did that change like in your mind? I feel that we actually had a lot of the same experiences. A lot of my African friends went through like using their middle name or shortening, shortening their name so that they could fit in. Um, and then we all just hit that realization point, like, we're too old to be shortening our names for other people when other people don't shorten mm. their names for us. So we just had like a little bond over that. And once I realized I wasn't alone in that sense and then meeting others who actually just stuck to their name and having understood that their parents installed that they need to have that confidence in having people pronounce their name, regardless of where they're from. Um, it just reminded me like, okay, I am somebody just like everyone else and I shouldn't have to change my name. Cause I feel like really changing your name does have an effect on your identity. When I go to college now and I tell people my middle name is Megan, they literally start laughing at me. They're like, that's not your name. I was like, you're right. It's not <laughs> my name. It's on my birth certificate, but my first name is literally in funny so. And it just reminds me how powerful I am within myself and what my name really means, um, which is good luck. And like, eventually after a while, luck does happen. Like with preparation, um, good things come along. And I've really met some good people um, along the way from high school throughout college. And even sometimes in high school, people were like, mm, Feniso, like just saying it. And it really made me happy. Like they were really putting an em emphasis and like trying. They're like, you should have said this more. You should have started out with this more. Yeah. You're young. You're just trying to fit in. So things happen and it just like life goes on. But yeah. Names are so important. And so I tell kids, I'm like, no, you tell me what you want to go by. Right. And if it's, you know, oh, I, whatever. Right. Right. Cause you know, the, the population that we, that we, that I teach at the school, I'm like, then that's what I'm going to say. Because I, I don't want you to feel like you have to conform because of me. I'm like, no, 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 no. You have a place in this classroom. I don't know if you have a place in other people's classroom, if they give you that space, yes. but in mine, you know, you got that. So I always, 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 always ask people, what do you want to be called? And just teach me how to say it. And I promise I'm going to get it. Yes. But demanding that respect for yourself is so, so, so important. Um, I want to ask this question because you brought it up. How was it going back to live in Nigeria? And then like just compare the two places. I've Okay, so living in Nigeria was definitely really different. I was pretty young um, when we moved back. It was more on understanding that the U.S. is really, really privileged. Like you're really privileged to live. I'm really privileged to live here. And it's not to say I dislike Nigeria or anything. I genuinely love the place. Um, it's just that there's there's a lot that they don't have sometimes. Like electricity, we do have that, but it's not constant. It changes. If, you, if you're not rich, you don't have a generator. You won't have constant light. Um, and you can't keep that going. Like just basic necessities that you think like, be deemed like irrelevant here are so relevant back home. But another thing that I do love that people don't shed light upon is just the culture and community that I feel like is built within Nigeria. If I can like walk down the street and um, just like ask somebody for help and it's more easy and like not weird to even do that. Like people won't look, look at you funny. It's like, oh, okay, like let me do this for you. Oh, are you hungry? Like something like just the calmness and like casual like vibes that you can get with just strangers is something that I don't feel like we can really do here in the United States. Uh, it's a lot of individuality, 
which I do love, mm. but I still feel like we need more community. Um, and I'm still embracing that um, aspect as I go throughout life now because I don't want to make people feel like excluded in any sort of way. Like things happen, you know, people are going through stuff. So just have like that open mind. But yeah, um, moving from a young age back to the United States, I was just so happy to see all the opportunities given to me that at times weren't given to me when I was back home. And I think for the most part, I've tried to access all the opportunities. My mom's made sure that I try to access all the opportunities. Sometimes my mom didn't even know. I was just doing stuff just to do it because I loved it. And I was just like, let me do it, you know? And just making sure I just go out and just do anything possible because my mom came to this country for a reason. I need to like use, use these opportunities to just make change history. Like for me, my family comes from like first generation, like everything. My great grandma was the first to like send her kids to college. My great, my, my Mm. grandma was the one to, um, you know, be the first to be a nurse ever. I mean, they weren't really rich in Nigeria, but she then for like sent my mom to college. And my mom was able to like escape poverty. Then my then now I'm the first to make it to an Ivy League. And all of us were like first generation like women. So it's just a lot of firsts that have that come with trials and tribulations and that we've all been through. But I know it makes an impact for the future generations. And as I talk to my cousins back home and like how their life circumstances have changed just from like small instances of just like having opportunities, it just reminds me like I'm doing something progressive. And I'm going back to help others just like me. Wow. You're such an inspiration. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How often, when's the last time you've been back to Nigeria? Um, It was actually 2019, right before COVID. We were going to go this year, but um, my mom just wanted to spend time with me because it was my first time Mm -hmm. away from home. And, um, she was just like, let's just spend Christmas together. We'll definitely go back maybe in the summer or maybe next Christmas. But like, she just really wants to spend time with me now. And it was beautiful. It was green. It's a lot of green. It's so nice. It makes you like, everything feels so peaceful. Also, I'm t- talking like relatively in the village because that's where my mom grew up. Not like deep in the village, but like it's village enough. So um, we generally go there and I know like where my grandma lives, the house and everything, the whole layout. So you're back here uh, from school. Uh, how has it been just kind of being back, being away from college, seeing your family again? We talked about it a little bit um, before the episode, which, of course, if y'all subscribe, you can hear that part. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how has it been just kind of being back? And what are you looking forward to doing with your time, your couple of weeks here that you're home? It's honestly been really nice to see everyone's face and remember the support system that I have. Uh, I feel like I didn't do a really good job on my part on reaching out and communicating, not because Mm -hmm. I don't love people or anything. It was just, I was stressed out and I really didn't know what to do. Um, I didn't really know if I should like just call everyone, talk to them. I didn't want to bother anyone. Um, And I, I feel like when they saw me and they, and I told them how I felt, they were just super supportive and they're like, it's okay. Like we understand life happens. And it just reminded me, like, regardless of where I'm at in the world, these people will always still care for me. And if I call them, they're going to mm. be on the phone or text me in a matter of seconds. Like, it's going to be okay. So that definitely helped me feel a lot feel a lot better. Um, but me being here, I'm basically just going to try and create a vision board for myself on the new year. I think that's what I'm, I'm most excited to look for, forward to because then it allows me to organize myself. I already went through a first semester, been through the ups and downs. I think I figured out what works for me, what doesn't work for me. And um, now I'm just going to like pivot that towards the new goals I have for 2022 and allow myself to actually grow and change, like literally go with the flow for the first time. I'm really not a go Mm. with the the first time type of person. I was genuinely trying to like, you know, come up with a plan, execute the plan. And um, the plan did not work. It didn't. (laughs) (laughs) And I was okay, you know? When it hit December and I said, I'm okay with the plan not working. Let's see what I can do with the information I do have and then let the world work around that so that maybe in the summertime when it's sophomore year, I feel like things mm-hmm. would line up in place for me to actually execute some goals, like the main goal that I have. Because it's freshman year. What can you do? You're just really here to explore, adapt, and just like adjust. 
if those were the main yeah. things I could ever tell anyone, it's just like things to focus on are change, adapting, and adjusting. That's really it. Don't even stress about school and classes. If you focus on those things, everything will line up and there will be no stress. Do you make vision boards? Is that like something you normally do every year? Um, typically I do on Pinterest. I made one last year mm. and most of them like came into fruition. I had a goal to be an influencer. Um, and crazy enough after like, I made that like right before I went to college, like I was like, I want to be an influencer. I posted it on my TikTok. Three months in, I got to 23,000 followers on TikTok. I was like, oh, okay. Looks like there's change, you know, I, and then I was like, I had track goals. I was like, I want to go to state, hit that grades, did what I needed in grades. And then like in self, I definitely like changed, but I didn't see everything happening when I wanted it to happen. It definitely just happened throughout the year. And I have to remember that like with vision boards, things just happen throughout the year and that's okay. Yeah. Cause I'm on that, you know, plan. Mm -mm. It's going to happen. Let's give it a second. So I think for next year, it's just more about shifting my mindset now. And that's what more things I'm going to add onto my vision board. Like, yes, I have, I still have goals that I want to hit, but it's more like, let me focus on me and how to change me so I can help others because I, I'm not beneficial to myself if I can't help. I mean, I'm not beneficial to others if I can't help myself. So, yeah. Have you always been a planner like that? Always had a calendar? Have you just, okay, you're shaking your head. Yeah, I've always <laughs> been like that. Like my mom, she made me that way. But mm. I took it to the extreme. I've never really said like, oh, let me just, or maybe it's also because it's the older sister in me. I am an older sister. Mm. I do like things to be very orderly. Um, <laughs> I don't like mistakes. That was another thing. Yeah. No, I've always been a planner. <laughs> I've never, and I, I've always also been a perfectionist. Like my mom did not make me a perfectionist at all. It was really a me thing. And that's a, it's a good and it's also a bad, but like the way I've been mm. treated, has a lot of like negative consequences to it and i'm trying to shift that so it can be more of a growth mindset like i've that's really my main goal for next 2023 like next year having a more of a growth mindset so realizing like all the positive things i've done and then accumulating that into like the new struggles that i have to go over and see how i've like used like past struggles to allow me to come to like this like wall in front of me and like break it because honestly as an athlete we're really good at like surpassing barriers because we love to do that yeah. we love the challenge so it's just easier now when i just know like i've had other challenges similar to this i just need to go step by step start with my foundation and remember i had a foundation to overcome things so you mentioned being an athlete so our next number is eight because she played junior varsity basketball i think you were a sophomore i was a freshman a freshman. Okay. She was a freshman on JV and she, she came off the bench. But when I tell y'all, she would average like eight steals a game, at least she was literally just taking the ball from everybody. She was so quick. She was so, she was a super athlete clearly. And I'm like, who is this girl? Okay. So obviously I met her and I think coach Jackson was your coach, right? Yeah. She was my coach. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Coach Jackson. And uh, she was just wreaking havoc on the court. It was amazing to just watch her play defense. Now, offensively, you know, you know, we all have our strengths, yeah. right? But Definitely. she literally, she would get in the game, come off the bench, and she would have like three steals in a row. She would just take the ball from people. And I was like amazed. And so what experience, right, trip down memory lane, what experience or event? made you realize that you were not were that you are a special athlete um i think it really got to me when i made it to junior olympics um my seventh grade summer going into eighth grade i was just mm. winning races just running but i just loved running like it was no actual understanding as to why i was running i couldn't tell my mom why i ran it was just something i was just like i just want to get up and run um, and when I made it to junior Olympics, my very, like my freshman year and everyone was like, Oh, not everyone makes it to junior Olympics. their freshman, like their very first year. Like, you know, it's weird. Like, what are you doing? I was just like, Oh, okay, maybe I am good. Me. I'm trying to explain that to my mom and she's not understanding because my mom is not Nigerian mom. She's very much, let's stick to the academics. Let's stick to the books. And it took her a while. Yeah. 
uh, to really see what I had because she had to come to my actual track meet to actually watch me. And when she saw that, she was like, oh, wow, she's actually good. You're smoking everybody. <laughs> she's good. I was like, yeah, I'm good, mom. I'm really good. So then she started actually putting time and effort into me. And I had it, my stepdad actually started me off in like basketball. And mm. I thought I was, oh my gosh, let me tell you my first basketball story. I literally did not think I was an athlete because of basketball. I could not shoot. Wow. I dribble. I could not do a single thing. My stepdad would sit sit at practice every day and I would be shaking my head no at him while we were practicing <laughs> because I was like, I'm really bad. I don't like being bad at things. And so he forced me to try and get better. And when he realized that my best, like the best thing I can do is defense, he was just like, okay, then practice dribbling this whole time. As, as soon as you steal the ball, dribble. Just dribble and then pass. Mm. Like, okay, I could do that. So we worked on that the whole time. And that sense of like, okay, learning that I'm not good at something, let me find like where I'm best at and work with it, mm. definitely stuck with me. And that's how it correlated to track because I was like, I know I'm good at running. I know I have a passion for this, but let me fix myself in order to get better, get faster. And going to Junior Olympics really was an eye opener for me because I'm like, there's multiple girls here, like people here thousands of people just watching me run right now and yes mm. i made the podium my first year too and every year after that i went to junior olympics and i, and I placed and then last year i got my very first gold um in the four by yeah five, which was really really nice it was a great way to end the year and um i did a really nice split of 53 five and it made me i was proud of myself i was like this is a this was a good year man i see some people Cause I feel like, especially when I was younger, like, like I'm a good athlete. Right. It's other people that's going to be bigger or whatever, but I'm like, yo, when we talk about fluidity, being able to move your hips and then be able to put your body in different situations. Like, I'm like, yo, I, like, I hold my own. So when I, but when I see some people, I'm like, whew, that's. (laughs) That's something else. Right. That's something else. And so when I when I would see you run and when I would see you play, I'm like, she's on a whole different level. So shout out to you and shout out to your moms for going, oh, okay, like we do have something special here. We need to put some work. We need to cultivate that. Um, so from there, track just when did you go, all right, no more basketball. Like I just need to focus on track and make this my thing it it hit me my um this summer going into my sophomore year because i was like i still really love basketball like i still love playing but then i was like i also know i'm not good at it and i'm short <laughs> so i was like dang because then i started thinking like scholarship opportunities i was like my mm. high not gonna make the cut so then i was like okay maybe let me just stop with basketball and i, I was like let me just be realistic for a second I do have a bigger chance because there are shorter people in track and they can, and they run fast time. I was like, I can try that. Now the event I chose does not primarily have short people. They're way taller, but I was still really good at the event for my age group and throughout high school that I was like, let me stick to it. And when college comes, we're going to have to just face that battle when we get there. Right. So that event is the 400. Okay. So talk about like, Cause I don't, I never ran track. You know what? Correction. I ran track for one day. <laughs> and after that, I was like, no, I'm not running track. I'm going to stick to football and that's going to be it. I'm cool. Uh, so how did you kind of figure out your events, what you're good at? Like, what are some like track things that the normal person that doesn't run track wouldn't need to know? Okay. So one I didn't realize how good I was in the 400 until my very first coach, Coach Wilmington, put me in the 400. Now, that was the race I actually disliked at first because I thought I was going to just be a 100, 200 meter sprinter. I really love the two. Right. But it's a lot of technique. And I was young and I wasn't ready for all that. So he threw me in the four and he was like, just run. So I ran. And then after a while, you start realizing that you're better at a certain race when you see mm. your progression, when the time drops. Now, honestly, with the 400, if your times drop in the 400, typically the rest of your times drop, but some of them are just going to be faster than others. And it also depends on your muscle. I'm a short build, but I build a lot of muscle quick. So that means I have a faster twitch muscles. 
So that means I was supposed to be like short sprint, but I can also be a long sprinter, which is the four, but I can do that having quick turnover and covering ground faster than a lot of like taller people Mm. might have like fast twitch muscles, but since they're so long, they're not able to generate enough frequency like I can because they're not close to the ground. So honestly, understanding how your body works, for one, I have to do a lot of that. Like it takes years though. It's not like something that you just know off the bat. It took me a long time to understand that I have, I'm prone to a lot of hamstring injuries because I'm, I like to do a lot of speed work. Um, I have like, my hips are like imbalanced because with track, you kind of use one leg more than the other. And it kind of affected me in that sense. And also I sleep funny, but that's a different story. Um, and <laughs> once you start, once you start seeing these little habits play in, you start wanting mm. to fix it, correct it. And like you go to the doctor, you go to the chiropractor and they start telling you all these things. And then you understand how it correlates to what you want to run. Because certain sprinters, like the 100 and 200, you need to have a lot of technique, but you also need to have speed. Speed is definitely harder to generate than it is for endurance. So that's why a lot of people are more long distance runners because they don't need that much speed as long as they can like hold it mm. out for a really long time and have a decent amount. Um, but I would say that's the easiest way is to know your body, figure out actually what you, you love to run, and then just work with yourself and create like better habits and correct the bad habits. Who's somebody that you ran against that you will say is your rival or somebody you went, dang, that person is fast. Like I gotta, I gotta be on my, on my game. Oh, Haley Tate. I actually competed with her for regionals and state. She is really, really good. Um, I used to train with her actually um, during my sophomore year and part of my junior year. Yeah. It was, it was good competition. Like in the beginning, I was really beating her in the longer stuff. It was a lot easier to do that. But then when it started doing the speed, I was like, why? I was fast. Don't get me wrong. But I didn't know how to really put myself in the position to get my turnover to be exactly how I need my turnover to be. Um, I was more of a butt kicker when my hips should have been more in front. So that's what I'm saying. Like you have to focus on the bad habits and correct them because it really changes the tra- trajectory and the weight in the way which you run. Um, and the more that I'm learning, the better my running style has become. And also I had to realize I had needed more confidence within myself when I ran next to her mm. because she used to beat me a lot. I'm not even going to sit here and cap to y'all. She used to beat me a lot. And I wasn't okay with that. But I would also start doubting myself because I was like, I got beat so many times that maybe I'm not even fast enough to compete with her. But me and her mm. run similar times and I'm on the same level to compete with her. It just It's just a matter of like, whose mindset is better that day to win. And that's what I like started realizing as I like grew older. It's more about the mindset when you start getting older. It's really how much do you care? How much do you want to win? How, how do you value yourself when you get to the line? And even before the line, because it starts with days and preparation before the meet. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, being the coach myself, I'm always like, have you put in the work? Right. right? Are you doing all the stuff that you need to do so that when game time comes, you know, it's it's not about running off emotion. I tell my team it's not about all yeah. these emotions, right? Because things are going to happen, right? You're going to mm-hmm. be up. You're going to be down. And uh, you might catch, right, because you run four by four, right? Yeah. You may get the baton off somebody and it's like, dang, they didn't run their best leg this time, right? right? You can't let that affect how you run. Like, you yeah. just have to. You right. just got to run. Like you put in the work, let all of your work, let all of your practice, all of your time spent be put into what you need to do now, right? If you're trying to figure out stuff that day or as you as you grabbing the baton, like it's too late, like yeah, you're no, already lost. So I'm always like, hey, try to take as much of the emotion out of it as you can right. and let your preparation and your practice do speak way. for you, mm-hmm. right? Because if you don't know what to do, I don't care how fired up you are. You still don't know what to do. Like we're going to lose. Exactly. <laughs> so, That's exactly what it was. So yeah, that part has to come, come second to me. You know, that's kind of just my philosophy. Oh, yeah. um, no, I agree. I just feel like a lot of athletes, especially when you're in high school or just going through it, you just put a lot of emotion because you love your sport and you're like, and I also feel like Texas culture is a lot about winning. Like if you don't oh, win, yeah. you don't see your part. Like, you don't see any progression. And sometimes that got to me because after a while, like, people started knowing my name. And I'm like, oh, snap. Like, I didn't know that. 
Like, I didn't know you knew who I was. And they're like, oh, so are you going to win today? Are you going to win today? And I'm like, okay, I don't know. But I should have known. I should have said, yes, I'm going to win today. I should have been like, yes, this is, I've done this. I've prepared for this. I believe I'm going to do this. You know, I should have yeah. had that mindset. Even if I didn't win, I should have like thought I was a, a champion before I even got on the line. And I didn't really have that mindset. I was just more like, okay, whatever happens, happens. But I wasn't confident in myself. So that's why I said what I said. Um, and I feel like more people that are confident, even if they're not, they're just like, I'm a winner regardless. You know, if I lose mm. or if I win, I'm still a winner because I did it. Yeah. So that's what I started realizing. It's all about like, what's in your heart. Right. Right. Because, and you know this as an athlete, like some people, they talk trash. They got to, you know, kind of hype themselves up. And then other people, like they need things to be quiet. Right. They need to to be zen. I need right? to- They don't talk. Mm-hmm. It, they need that peace. Right. right. So if that person was to start to like start talking and doing all this rah-rah stuff, it will be fake. Right. right for that person that's not really what they need to do so i think it's all about knowing who you are you've been saying that a whole lot which i love mm-hmm. knowing who you are you know how you operate what's good for you what's good for your body and then going based off that like if i was to start like doing all this trash talking and, oh yeah we about to smack them like we about to all it uh, yeah. oh that's not me like that's i just all right hey you know what i'm about to go out and i'm gonna run i'm gonna let my work speak for itself and right. that's that's pretty much how I approach most things. Like I don't do all the all the talking, right? I just let my work speak. And when people start saying, "Dang, like you did that, or you did win, or that's good, I like what you did," like I'm like, okay, yeah, there we go. Like, right? That's yeah, that's how you know. Yeah, that's how you. That's exactly how you know. Because yeah. I saw this video. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say a lot of the fast people don't really say that they're fast. But I also think like track is mm. different. They like to um, be more humble. It seems like compared to other sports. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. Because sometimes people who do speak up, they're just a bit entertaining. And I'm like, oh, kind of want to watch it again. <laughs> so, like Usain and Noah Lyles, like they were pretty good entertainers. But it was more after the race. And, th- and that's what I personally like. It can be done after. It doesn't have to be during like or before. I just like to see that, okay, you showed the work. And now you're just celebrating because you're happy. Yeah. If if y'all don't want me to celebrate, somebody beat me. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I saw that you you posted this video on YouTube, and I don't remember how long ago it was, but you said that I had to start treating winning like it wasn't everything. Like I had yeah. to kind of let winning and losing couldn't be the end all be all. Like I had to progress and know that I was getting better, whether I won or lost. Was it? An event wasn't it? Was it a race? Was it a person? Like, how did that start? Um, it started with talking to my Harvard coach at one of my track meets. It was my pen mm. relays. I was there by myself. No one was with me. It was my first time, you know, traveling to a track meet without my family, like just far away, or not even just my my, my family. My coach, like, no coach around. I was I was just the athlete. So, um. My Harvard coach told me he was going to come and I was just nervous because everyone's like, oh, yeah, um, this New Balance meet is so good. Like it's in Pennsylvania. Everyone's going to be here. Mind you, Texas season is done. No one's thinking really about New, new Balance outdoors now in Texas. We're just like, OK, we did state. State is the hardest thing. Um, and maybe going to one more meet. And also New Balance had invited me to come run. So that was also making me mm. more anxious. So I was like, oh, I have to really prove myself. And I got to the line of the hundred and it was like, I forgot everything that I did. Like my whole training went out the door. That's how nervous I was. I was like, okay, cool. Whole training went out the door. I still made it to semis. I was like, okay, maybe I'll come back, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I see like, I'm looking around and I'm like, all these like fast 100 like meter girls sitting next to me. Like, I don't run this. How am I supposed to compete with them? Blah, blah, blah. Then everything mm. I knew, again, went out the door. And I was so upset. My coach called me and he was like, come, let's talk. Oh, wow. And I told him about my race, how I felt. And he was like, you need to stop putting winning with everything. I was like, I don't mm. do that. I was like, I was really trying to argue with this man. He was like, but you're good. 
And I didn't realize how much I did it until I was done with my 200. And I still did the same exact thing he told me not to do. And we came back again and we sat in the bleachers and we talked. He was like, you Mm. don't really do these events that often. You just started doing this. So how do you expect to be the best person out the blocks? Right, right, right. I still face the same issue right now. Like I talked to my mom because I thought I got better at it because I just stopped. I stopped doing the 100 as much, stopped doing the 200 as much. So I wasn't really seeing myself that way. But when I first got into my college practices, like at times I would be dead last in the fast group. Yeah, just in the back. And I'm sitting here like, I'm like, I'm fast. I know I am. Like, I'm not slow. So why can't I do it? And it's because I'm not used to it. And with, with like, accomplishments, with growth, with, with anything that's good in the end, there's trials and tribulations. And you have to fail. Mm. And so a lot of people don't like to fail. I don't like to fail. And my coach told me to have grace upon myself because there's so many mm. things that I'm not seeing that I'm improving in that uh, I choose to limit myself because I'm not seeing this one goal, this one thing. And when I stepped back and I came back home and I looked at my very first track video, like of my college racing, I PR'd twice. And it was like, it wasn't even that good of me running because I was still nervous. Like I wasn't even locked in. Mm. And if it was me in high school, I would have like just flat out, not even PR. I would have done really, really bad. Lots of bad stuff. But my start got better. My top end got better. Um, my finish even like starting starting to look better. I'm just looking stronger, like I'm building myself. And there are just a right. lot of things that happen that I connect emotions with that I don't realize and it limits me. Not to say like I can't have emotions for things, I can't be grateful, I can't be sad, but it's just at times like this track stuff is short. It's forever going to be short. So how can I prepare myself for the big goals, which is the NCAAs? And let go of little meats. Because what are they going to do? Mm. Nothing. Besides allow you to practice before the, the time to hit the times happen. Right. That's when you're, right. you're supposed to start caring. You're just using everything as a practice moment to build up to the big moment. And then that's what I have to start realizing. That's why I have to start taking things to the ground. Um, and my coach definitely reminds me every day. But I also have to give myself grace for that in order for that to happen. So when did you realize okay like harvard's in play because a lot of people run and there are a lot of people that are fast there are not a, a lot of people that are going to ivy league schools right so you go whoa like harvard's calling when did that happen it it really it started off when princeton first called me because princeton was really my Ooh. first offer and i was like why am i getting called by princeton my coach is telling me like my high school coach coach Steele, He's telling me, he's like, oh yeah, Princeton Shout is coming, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, there's no way. But see, I wasn't even seeing how great I was at the time. And I was just like, it's just not real. Until he was like emailing me. Then other coaches started emailing me. And I was like, oh, okay. And then when Harvard, like when the, my Harvard coach now, he called me and stuff. I was like, okay, yeah. Like he doesn't really want me. Like, I don't know why. But I was like, these coaches don't really want me. Like, it's just like, okay, it's cool. You know? I literally thought that the whole time. And my coach literally sat, sat me down. He was like, why would I recruit you if I didn't want you? And I was like, <laughs> great question. Because it doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. <laughs> and everybody was like wondering, like, looking at me, like, I was crazy. And my mom was upset. She was like, you know, Harvard's calling you to come run. You're not calling Harvard yeah. to go run. I was like, that's also true. And then... It really dawned on me after I applied and I actually got in because people think that when you go through the recruiting process, you can just get in. With Ivy Leagues, it's different. They still have to make sure all your credentials are good. So if your credentials don't match up mm. school, you're not getting in. Sometimes they'll tell you beforehand, like just on go. But when you're actually going through the process and after the interview, because the interview is really, really important. If your interviewer doesn't really like you, well, yeah. And then something like happens within your grades during the year, then like, okay, like now things are going. So when I had to read, congratulations, you've been accepted. I was, I was stunned. 
And my mom made me read it out loud. And that's when I started crying because I was like, I'm really going to an Ivy League. I'm really in Harvard now. Freaking Harvard. I was like, that's crazy. That was one of the best days of my life. I didn't cry for my coach because my coach, he video called us as we accepted the letters. And I don't know. I just didn't cry. I was just like, oh my gosh, thank you. But then it was like my mom, my family, my clothes, like we're all clothes. Mm. Like, yeah, I'm in here. And it, was, it just made me happy that all the hard work paid off, like genuinely. Yeah. And I made my what, mom proud. What was the root? Yeah. What, what else happened during recruiting? Because I know it was like a weird time because it was 2020, right? Yeah, 2021, uh, 22-ish. Yeah. That time. Ish. Oh, well, like in the beginning, I feel like the phone, it was a lot of phone calls and video calls at first. Mm. Then we got into a lot of um, traveling a bit later. Like I took a, um, like an unofficial visit first, just, just so I could see, you know, I was like, okay, do I really want to be here? Do I really like the campus? So I went and I fell in love with the campus, fell in love with the people, like some of the track team girls and the classes. Um, then I took my actual official visit because, um, I, I was like, at this point you, you basically sold me and I went right. in and I really got to know the team more. got to see a lot of like what Harvard is really like. And it just like in essence captured everything that I felt like would be for me. Now it still wasn't the best like trip experience because it was still weird Harvard was really strict on COVID restrictions and all that. Mm, so it was still yeah, a bit yeah. hard to maneuver. We couldn't stay in freshman dorms, but stay in a hotel um, because typically you get to stay in the freshman dorm, live with someone, uh, at least for that night. You land in a hotel and then you go to the freshman dorm. Uh, couldn't do that. And then we couldn't go into a lot of other dorms either, only the upperclassmen. And that was fine. I got to experience a lot of like, what upperclassmen housing is like. And I was like, this is real nice compared to where I'm living now, but it's okay next year. <laughs> um, and I was so excited to just to meet the people and just realize like everyone is kind of like me. Um, people are way nicer than I thought they were going to be. I don't know. I feel like I had this idea that a lot of Harvard kids were going to be real stuck up, but they're not. They're really just normal and they can have conversations. Well, a lot of people are normal. And a lot of people can have a lot of conversations. It just depends on what you want to talk about. And sometimes we just have right. really deep conversations. And sometimes it can be real, like, you know, simple. But also we're Harvard students. So we like to complicate things a lot. So it can be. Uh... <laughs> but it's um, it's really nice. I feel like that recruiting trip was different. And it also allowed me to realize, like, what I would want to show the recruits more of. And that's what I did this year. Mm. And so we were able to get a larger recruiting class this year and more girls like wanting to join, um, which made me feel way better. And we got a lot of faster girls too. So it definitely helps um, building the team. Um, how many people up there look like us? Actually, 15% of Harvard's uh, class is actually black, at least in my class. So um, now in my classes, I don't tend to be the only black girl in like my general classes, more my mm -hmm. um, more specific class, like the classes that are doing more with STEM. Now I might be the only black person and it's okay because I know as soon as I step out the classroom, I have a ton of like black friends. Yeah, we good. We here. Yeah, we're all here. And it was, <laughs> it was such an eye opening moment because my little group and I, we call ourselves like beautiful black Barbies of Harvard, but mm. it's not just to represent us, like, like the three of us, but it's to represent like all the other black people on campus who don't have a space because there's no real like actual space on campus, like affinity space. And I'm okay with that because if you look at the other Ivy Leagues that do have affinity spaces, I feel like they have those spaces, but admit less people of color once they have those spaces. So it's, I mean, it's a bit weird, but I would rather take the large demographic and then create our own space somehow, our own way, and um, feel right. more safe. So we started doing that. And when, on the very first, like, couple of days of the school year, we had, like, a little, like, black girl sleepover in one of the common rooms. And I kid you not, it was about, like, 50 black women, little girls looking like me in the room. 
I was so shocked. I was like, in my school, this would never happen. This would not happen at all. Um, and everyone was like, why is she so happy? I was just like, this is just so crazy. It was the first time I didn't feel alone, like outside, outside mm. of the court. That makes any sense. It was a lot of like community and just building things. And then what I realized that a lot of the same people I go to the school with have the same struggles I came from, like the same yeah. feeling weird or not really fitting in, but you still have a lot of friends. It just made me feel comfortable being at the school, basically. Yeah. What's been, because everybody says college is different than high school and you don't really know until you get to college and you go, oh, okay, yeah, it is different. What are some of the biggest differences uh, that you see? You talked about it a little bit, you know, with all the, uh, the black girls getting together and having that sense of community. But what are some some other things? Um, I would definitely say just because you have four classes doesn't mean you actually have time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely the biggest struggle for me. And under honestly, understanding how to think more conceptually. I feel as if my college makes me think more in a critical manner than what I was taught at, at school. And now I understand where people are like, oh, this is what Harvard minds are. I'm like, everyone could really think like this if um, it was easier for teachers to like just teach kids like this. Because it is, it's hard, it's daunting, and it takes a long time. Because I didn't realize how impactful it was until I was taking my finals and realizing I have to write five like I wrote five page, like five essays before I left school, like that week, and they were all between like five to sixteen pages, at most, sixteen. And I was like, oh my gosh, how am I gonna write all this? Blah blah blah. And then I'm just typing away, and I'm just like, okay, let me uh, analyze an, uh, analyze this thesis. How does the author do this? How does what goes here? What goes there? And then I even do it with my math problems, and I'm like, okay, so this is where I failed um within the like solving so how do i get to this step what does this actual equation mean what is the meaning behind this i would go to my uh math teacher and he would break down like the actual meaning of how math started and like what seems to be the easy equations aren't so easy and once you start appreciating those things and like under honestly understanding where it came from it starts making sense as to why things are the way they are and this mm. is where where you like you said you have to break things down make it like go like dumb it down from the beginning so you can build up to the end goal. I was like, wow. If I thought like more like this in high school, I would have definitely done way better. A hundred percent. But I wasn't really thinking like that. Cause I was like, Oh, let me do this, this, and this so I can get to college. And now you're in college and you're like, you don't have to do this, this, and this to get anywhere in life. You can go anywhere. You just have to learn how to navigate those ways. So that's definitely one thing I would say was super, super different about college. Man, and I'm always, again, I, I feel like I reference my classroom every episode, but what, what, what you going to do? <laughs> I'm always trying to tell my kids, like, you have to think for yourself. Like, I'm not going to give you, I'm not even going to give you all the directions. Right. Like, I'm going to tell you what I'm looking for. Yes. And how you get there is totally dependent on you. So they'll be like, dang, Mr. Franklin, you never answer any question with a straight answer. Yes, I did. I'm like, I want you to think. I want you to think. Like, stop looking to everybody else for your answers. When a lot of times you can find the answers on your own, either from within or using your resources, whether that's somebody next to you, whether that's the internet. Right. Like, you have to be able to think for yourself. And a lot of times, people ask me questions, and I would just answer it with a question, like, "Well, what do you think?" Yes, and I'll see what they say. Oh, those used to irritate me so much. But then you actually learn how to collaborate with other students, like really asking yep. each other, like, oh, what do you think we're supposed to do? Oh, here's what I, one idea I could do. And then like, oh, you're like, oh, maybe I can do this instead. And you guys can like work together. It was a lot of working together. Yes. I loved that. That's definitely what I did love um, when I when college started. I was like, wow. Like you can't That's do so by yourself anymore. That's another thing. You really can't. Mm-mm. That's great. I'm glad you're saying this because I'm literally going to take this back to my classroom and be like, "See, I told y'all the stuff I'm trying to tell y'all right now. I told y'all this girl is at Harvard killing it, and she's saying all the same stuff that I've been saying for the last five years." Anyway, this is great. 
Okay, I'm gonna take us to our last number, okay. and it's twenty dollars off of DoorDash. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking, like, is this an NIL deal kind of thing, or like, what is this even related to? Because that's the first thing I thought about. So, like, how does this DoorDash stuff work, and is that NIL related? So yes, because I'm an athlete, um, anytime I'm actually getting paid for anything that includes any brand, I do have to like report it as NIL, even if I'm like a brand ambassador. Um, okay. That's like an NCAA rule. It's for everyone. Doesn't matter if you're super big, super small, whatever. And I really started getting these opportunities when I first started um, off with like a small um, brand ambassador agency that connects you to other platforms um, if, of companies mm. and brands. And I did Get Ear, which is like a small grocery delivery app that delivers groceries to you within your dorms and stuff. And I was like, a lot of college students now on my campus do use that. And they still use my code to this day. And my friend, he saw that I was like pretty good at it. And he was like, oh, I think a good opportunity would be with DoorDash. Like this lady was contacting me and I don't really feel like doing it. So maybe you can do it. I was like, okay, sure, (laughs) I'll do it. So I went ahead. I talked to the lady. We got things going. And then like the first post I dropped, DoorDash really loved it. And they started like Mm. using my post as their advertising platform. So like the whole of Boston area. And I was just starting to get like a whole bunch of followers. And I'm like, wow, like what's going on? And people are screenshotting on their IG story that like I'm literally on there. I was like, oh, okay. This is great. Like pull up. Yeah, here we go. I was like, this is crazy. (laughs) And I didn't realize like the influence I had. And at the same time, my TikTok was growing as well. So then other mm. companies recently have just been hitting me up and just like, oh, can you try my product? Can you do this? Can you do that? And I'm like, okay, sure. Now, I don't want to make my content just seem like I'm, you know, just product-based or whatever. But um, right. things things like that just start happening. And with NIL, I do believe it's it's super beneficial for athletes. Um, just oh, in general. Talk about it. Because I we um like get... We get paid, but like when season starts and when we're traveling, not before. And it's only so much. And also like sometimes you have smaller athletes who have a really big voice who really want to help others and they can't do Mm. that as much um, compared to like bigger athletes because they don't have that big platform. But when you have like other agencies who see them and like people who are just like willing to like take a chance on them, it just propels their career even more. Not just staying within the athletic like field, but even in whatever like business field that they might want to like project themselves to. It just gives a sense of like understanding how I want to let people see the way I am, communicate, um, build off of myself, and actually like learn some marketing skills that may be like beneficial yes. when it comes to talking to other people. Because I feel like a lot of us are want to do like business, want to do um finance, do just different things like the least the athletes I've talked to. I'm more of a STEM girl, but I do want to start my own business later. And I feel like just Mm. this platform allowing me to talk to others, especially within like the business agency, branding myself, learning who I am. That's another really big thing that NIL does. It has, it forces you to know like who you are. How are you going to project yourself to these companies? Pitch yourself every single time because they can look Mm. at Instagram and they're like, oh, I don't really like them. But you're going to be like, oh no, this is really who I am. And I'm going to show you <laughs> by making content for you this way. And they're going to go, oh, okay. And it's just, it's, just a, it's just a process that I genuinely wish like every student knew how to like achieve. Um, and it's not easy. I wouldn't say it's like an easy thing to figure out, especially like being shy sometimes. Sometimes it was hard for me to even like speak up. It started from like my YouTube, like focusing on like actually like vocalizing myself when I was younger uh that was harder but then it built on to my instagram i started posting more i started doing i was like okay let me be an instagram influencer that didn't really work out for me then i was like okay let me hit tiktok started posting on tiktok and then things just started correlating and after after a while it just like hits you like now i'm better at speaking now i'm better at communicating i'm better doing a lot of things and that shyness that you once had step like steps away from everything like you just become a bigger version of yourself and actually like Mm. eat what you need with your chest because at that point it's like i don't really have the space to be this shy person anymore like i have stuff i want to (laughs) do 
<laughs> and you you can't do it being shot. So no. you just got to figure it out and step outside of that. And and once you do, like that's that's gone. That's like, gone. That's, that's, it's gone. <laughs> no, there's no coming back from it. You can't go back. Mm-hmm. <sighs> wow. What's been your favorite part of school? The people. And I'm going to say the people every time because the people have changed my mindset. The people have allowed me to grow and the people have been there for me, even when I didn't think they were there. Because you start realizing, people tell me you start realizing some of your real friends in college. And it was my very first track meet. Like I posted like, oh, I'm going to have a track meet. But I didn't tell anybody where the track meet was going to be. I didn't tell them what Mm -hmm. time. And my friends were like, I'm going to come. I'm going to come. I'm like, please don't come. Please don't come. Like, I don't want to be embarrassing myself. Mind you, I'm really nervous. It's my very first track meet. Didn't even know my mom and my sister were pulling up to my very first track meet. Um, And let alone the friends I literally told not to come somehow found my location and time. I'm like, stalker much? But okay. (laughs) They still pulled up. And it was crazy to me because I was so afraid of like, genuinely not having people show up for me that I forced, that I was trying to force them not to show up. Mm. And regardless of the fact, like how I felt, they were like, no, we're here for you. We have each other and we've been with each other since the first day of school. So this is, so this is going to be with throughout the rest of life at this right. point. And I was, I was just so shook by how compassionate people can really be because it's just, it's just different. I didn't know what to expect in college. I, I just didn't know. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. You can really gain some valuable things. And a lot of people just have a lot of big goals, whether they like came from the South, came from the North, came from the Midwest. Everyone is hungry at my school for the most part to change. I mean, it is Harvard. Yeah, it's Harvard. But you, you can see who's more hungry than who. But mm. everyone wants to change the world in some way. And I think that was what really. Um, sparked my interest in still staying at the school, especially during my visit, and then talking to others. Because even talking to them before, they're like, oh, I want to do this, this, and this to help everyone. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is really big. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Me, I, I don't even know how I want to help change people. Like, I do. I want to influence them. But how I'm going to do it, I still don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. And I'm right. okay with that. Right. And I tell them that. And they're like, yeah, I can see you doing that. They're like, have you thought about being a politician? I was like, no. Mm, you've been, already been on the campaign trail. <laughs> that's, what, literally, that's literally what Judge Watson told me. She's like, I think you could be a good judge. I was like, okay, Judge Watson. <laughs> I literally said, okay. Speaking of influencing, um, we're going to get to the last part of the podcast, which are my three what's, which I ask every guest that I have on. So first things first. What's an opinion that you have that will be considered unpopular? Oh my gosh. Um, Don't think too hard. Don't mess up the sponsors. Yeah. um, I really don't believe that hard work leads to what you want. That's not. Mm. Um, I feel like you have to be more efficient because everyone can work hard for something. But that doesn't mean that you all get to the same angle. Right. So it depends on how efficient you are within the work that you do to achieve the same thing that you want. So understanding, like for me, I've started to look more at people who've done things that I wanted to do. How did they do it? And then refine it to what, how I want to do it. And that's the efficient way than like starting from the bottom and then like trying to like, you know, fail a whole bunch of times. Like, yes, failure is important. But if someone's already done it, why struggle when you can just piggyback off of them and make it better? Mm. So make it um, yours. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I'm with it. All right. Second what? Okay. If you weren't running track, because right now that's kind of like your life's work, I would say, while, while we figure everything else out. If you weren't running track, what would you be doing? Like, what would you have? gone to college for oh that's a great question Mm. now what what i would have gone to college for probably something in computer science or physics because that's still what i'm majoring in 
But I know during mm-hmm. the summertime, I built a website for students to around the world. It was like 40 of us um, on my team. And we were creating like articles, um, little podcasts and all that stuff. I don't have the website up anymore because I've been really busy and I kind of stopped my senior year. But I would have probably kept that going because we had a pretty good like website reading. 2,000 people would click the website every month, you know. Yeah, I was really working hard. This was during COVID, so I couldn't go run as much as I used to. So I was, like, focusing, making sure I made an impact within, like, my website and just influencing and just, like, changing the world in that sense Um, and letting kids have a voice because a lot of the students had voices that I've never heard and came from different backgrounds. One was Mm. from Egypt, a couple from, like, um, like, Brazil, El Salvador, some from England, a couple from Nigeria, um, one from South Africa, and another one from Australia, and a couple in the U.S. So it was just a lot of like different ideas bouncing off each other, figuring out like what was going on within their cities, their state, their countries, just working within like understanding how connected we are, even if we have like mm. different political views, different like morals and stuff. We're all still human. We all want the best for humanity at the end of the day. So that was something I, I think I would have kept going for the long run. Okay. Literally everything you touch turns to go. So, um, <laughs> all right. Can't wait to see what happens next. Okay. Last what? What advice would you give to someone in high school? So like you were just in high school six months ago, basically. So if you could talk to those kids right back at Elkins where you were before, Mm-hmm. What would you say to them? Uh, be happy with yourself. Mm. That's that's the main thing. I feel sometimes um, our school we're really really competitive. We I feel we're a very competitive school. Um, even in I feel like people disregard re- like regular classes because they're like oh they're not competitive. Mm. No, they're still very competitive. People just don't feel like they have the opportunity to compete at higher levels, and I. F- I personally would say that it doesn't matter at which point you are in. If you learn how to be happy for yourself and where you're going and see the visions that you have for yourself and actually believe, there's nothing that can actually stop you genuinely. Mm. And it's so hard um, to hear that when you're young because you see everyone else going to these schools, doing these things, and you don't even know where to start. I didn't know, know where to start. And sometimes it just takes someone to give you the opportunity but it also takes you first in believing in yourself because then they see the light that you have to do great things. So for the kids back at Oakens, learn how to be happy for yourself. Learn how to love yourself and just know that you are that good to do anything that you want to do. And if you ever need time, like anyone to talk to, DM me. DM Ashley or a couple other people who have like kind of done the same things that you're similar and interested in because I bet you mm-hmm. tons of people out there who you just feel like you might not be able to reach out to. But they're, they'll definitely touch, talk to you because we wish we had somebody to talk to our age, like the same way. Me and Ashton definitely talked about that. Like if somebody was like, oh, our age, like told us like, oh, yeah, you can definitely do this. I think we would have had a different mindset going into um, um, applying for colleges. This is perfect. Right on time. So actually, this is the part where you tell everybody where can they find you, you know, drop your handles, all of that stuff. Um, you guys can definitely find me on Instagram at the Infunny, the Infunny So. And then also my TikTok handle is the same. Those are my two main platforms and my YouTube as well. You can definitely see more videos that I create. I'm going to be dropping more advice on like how I just move throughout the college season and just like build myself and grow with me. Um, and then we'll all grow together. So it was really great being on this podcast. I'm, I'm super excited to like hear it and just really being here like honestly i'm really really honored so thank you well i'm the honor i got i got a harvard grad i mean elkins alumni i'm like yo i should reach out because i just felt like you were in this very special place mm-hmm. like just graduated right you know we're doing great things you know there going to harvard <laughs> right there's already like people want to know like what is harvard like are there any black people there? Like, these are the things that people will ask. Like, these are the questions. Yes. And so I'm like, well, let me reach out. And like you just said, 
DM me and I did. And it was like, yeah, let's set it up. And so I'm glad you came on. I'm glad you were able to share so much. I mean, it was so rich, all the stuff that you talked about. And um, make sure you guys go follow her and make sure you follow me. Instagram, TikTok, the Living Numbers Podcast in both places. And make sure you rate, review, and share. That's what I'm going to say. Oh, yeah, subscribe. You subscribe, you'll get to see all the, the outtakes, all of the other stuff that we talked about, you know, before and after the episode. So um, do that and cop some merch. Yeah, cop some merch. I got hoodies. I got T-shirts. You see the hat on, but that's exclusive. So. Uh, signing off for Infiniso. I'm your host, Tony Rambles, and we'll see you all in the next round.